theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. God's about to blast those obstacles for you. The anointing is about to destroy those yokes in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. I'm so thankful for what I feel. And I'm so thankful for all of you that are watching online and that are with us here in person. We have a growing number. We had a growing number. I say, praise God. We're praying for all those that are sick and ill. But we trust that you're watching online and you feel the glory and the presence of the Lord as we do. And I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Genesis chapter 2. You're going to go to the last portion of Genesis chapter 2, and then we're going to go right into Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, either way, get that open. We're going to have it on the screen, and you'll be able to follow along with us. But I do want you to get that Bible out in the air, if you will. We say this every Sunday, and I hope you declare this with faith, but praise God. Uh, get that Bible up or that Bible app up and just kind of lift it up. Praise God. Thank you, Alex. I know Jade and Mia, your hands are full. Praise God. What's your excuse? I'm just, thank you, thank you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Praise God. I love him. I love him. I'm just picking on him. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. In Jesus' name, praise God. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. And they were both naked the man and his wife and were not ashamed now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God said you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it lest you die then the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for God knows in the day that you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise she took up its fruit and ate she also gave to her husband with her and he ate and by the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to share this thought with you today. Shame off me. Shame off me. Praise God. Would you lift your hands and help me pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful for your word today. We're so thankful for your presence that's with us in such a powerful way. Right now, I pray and declare that you would anoint me with the type of anointing to preach your word with relevancy and with accuracy. I release the gift of faith in this place, God. Let healing flow. Let your virtue flow, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you confirm your word with signs and wonders, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. How many of you realize that we are in a spiritual war? We are in a spiritual war. Therefore, because we're in a war, it's really important, Alex, it's really important, Pastor Barry, that we have a strategy. 
How many of you know if you're going to experience victory, God wants, God has, will give you a strategy. I just can't want to lose weight. I've got to have a strategy. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with the desire. The desire is the beginning of this thing, but you do need to understand that if you're going to experience victory, you have to have a strategy or a plan. And my question is, how are we going to win the war? Because this war is not for the faint of heart. This war, as a matter of fact, can get downright ugly in the nasty here and now. But I do believe God is going to reveal to us a biblical strategy in which you will be able to walk in sustained victory because we're going to expose the lie of the enemy. We talk about blueprints and strategies, extraordinary church. We have one. We say this by faith. We're a young church plant. My wife and our family, we arrived here in 2018, and we're seeing God do some amazing things. We declare by faith that we believe we're the fastest growing church in Canada, reaching the world. We're on a mission to have a multi-site, multi-network location all around the greater Toronto, Hamilton area. And I believe God is sending and raising up people just that are here right now. Ordinary people, people that didn't fit in, people that can't always get it together. People are wondering how it's all going to work out. But God, who is rich in his mercy, is using us for his glory. How many of you all are familiar with um, uh, the idiom that says, fool me once, shame on me, or you, excuse me, fool me twice, Shame on me. We're really familiar with that idiom. In other words, what the idiom is saying is, okay, you got me once with the okey-doke. But if you continually get me with the okey-doke, then it's not on you. It's on me. Can I tell you, let me just let the cat out of the bag right now. The devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. We just... The cat is out of the bag. He's busted. He can't. So we don't have to believe his lies. Okay, I'm going to get there in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. I can remember, I, 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 I you know, people, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get here because I'm going to show you just how important your words are. But some of us have had things spoken over our lives, um, and it still, it resonates to this day. How many of you all know what I'm talking about? I remember I, I had a, a family member, not not an immediate family member, but you, you, you have those people are just people, right? But I'll never forget or had, I was a family member who said, you know, that my, my mom, she said this to me. She was like, you know, you don't look like much. And I can remember thinking, at that point, I had never thought, I was a kid. I was like eight or nine. I was like, well, I, I never frankly even thought about how I looked. And then to hear that she thought I didn't look like much, all of a sudden, I can remember these overwhelming insecurities, and I begin to become remarkably displeased with how I looked. No longer wanted to smile. Went from running around and having fun to becoming remarkably conscious and aware of if I'm doing everything just right. And then I can remember oftentimes I would try something and 
I'd be like, oh, well, that doesn't look good, and it's not going to look good on me. And I would begin to buy into this, this lie about, you know what, how my looks, and then I associated that with my value, and I thought I had no value. And I can remember, I'm just being honest with you all, I can remember looking in the mirror as a teenager, telling myself I was ugly. I can remember declaring these things over my life because of what somebody spoke to me. I remember it was so, I remember this one time I was so beat up about, I was beating up myself and it was interesting what the devil was doing to uh, inflate this life. Well, I remember one time, uh, this even followed me early on into my walk with Christ. Here I was, I was driving and I was driving the church van by myself trying to pick some people up for church and I can remember I was at the stoplight just minding my own business wouldn't live I hadn't been living for the Lord very long at all and these people it was these two girls and this guy but these girls were screaming out the window how ugly I was I'll never forget they even spat at me Pastor Barry I'll never forget that and I remember on a Sunday I'm supposed to be excited about God and all of a sudden what was spoken over me began to affect me once again. It was like it was resurrected. I can remember there was a time I had a friend of mine. He said to himself, you know what? He, he had a lot of influence in my life. And he said, you know what? Man, you know, we're probably going to die young. And I can remember thinking to myself, I had never thought about how long I would live. But immediately, I began to believe I was going to live a long life. I thought to myself, well, I'll probably be dead in my 30s, 20s, whatever it was. I thought, I'm not going to live very long. When he first mentioned it, I thought to myself, I might not live past 18. I begin to believe the lie. So much so that at night, I know I might be being too, too brutally honest, I would have panic attacks. Panic attacks, waking up in the middle of the night because I couldn't go to sleep without thinking that I would die in my sleep. Waking up, stressed out drove me to a point, so some of you all heard me tell this story, so it drove me to a point where I'm living for the Lord now, still stressed out, thinking, oh my God, am I going to die? Am I going to leave Sarah? It is, I remember one night, we were there, and we, we, the kids were really small. Um, I, I, I think I told you all this, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, clutching my chest, screaming, oh my God, this is it, I'm dying. I'm talking to Sarah like, please, I'm, I'm sobbing. She's shocked. I'm like, I hope I was a good husband. I hope you find somebody. This is it. Tell the kids I love them. I was convinced I was dying. Convinced. So much so this began to manifest itself in my life. It became a debilitating thing that I was distressed. I was beginning to hallucinate, Pastor Barry. I thought I was losing my mind. I remember she called my mom one night. was like, hey, you, you got to come over because, you know, you, we were newly, not, not, we weren't been married that long, but, you know, you get the mamas. Mamas, they're like, whatever craziness it is, they're just, they, they'll deal with it. And mama was like, what's wrong with my baby? Just, she come on over and, you know, Sarah was like, I don't know. I'll never forget. I was talking to people that were not there. It was crazy. And so, you know what? A lot of it was, though, the stress, the lie that I had believed that I was not going to live or I was going to die young. Can I tell you, you have to be careful what you believe. The enemy is here. And you know what? I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. This carried on until I moved to Austin, Texas. 
I'd have panic attacks. And you know what? I was, so here's the thing with men. Let me tell you this right now, ladies, if you're married. You know how I talked about like, oh, I was worried about, I wasn't really worried about how I looked until that person had spoken that stuff into my life, but I'm not really worried about it now. That's why I tell, you know, the Lord delivered me from it, praise God. And I'm like, I'm just going to, I'll do what I want to do, praise God. I can't control how I look anyway. It is what it is, praise God. Um, but I'll never forget, um, you know, I wanted to tell Sarah what I was dealing with, but I didn't go brutally honest because I thought to myself, will she still respect me after? Hear me, hear me. See, wives, I'm just going to do a little marriage counseling right now. Men want to know, can, I, can they share their secrets and you still respect them afterwards? Just like you want to know, am I, I still got it going on? Thank you, Pastor Barry. That's just a little side note. So the Lord spoke to me. I'm, I'm having panic attacks. I woke up and I was like this. I was like, oh. I was about to say it. And the Lord, I'm telling you, it's like only a couple of times I know for sure, like the Lord spoke to me clearly. He was like, stop it. Stop it. And here I am. I was like, and I'm, I'm like, it's almost like I had bought into it so much, I thought this was my reality. And I wasn't coming into agreement. It was like I was resisting God. He was like, stop it. Stop it. And I was like, and all of a sudden, I realized I had bought into the lie of the enemy. And the moment that was revealed in my life, I walked in a different degree. I'm telling you right now, my walk in with Jesus up until this point wasn't full of joy. It wasn't full of peace. I'm trying to help somebody right now. I was struggling, and I'm in ministry. I'm preaching, teaching, talking about something. You're going to make it by faith. And the whole while, I'm like, I'm ready to give up and be done. Is this, is this it? Is this the pinnacle of what I'm supposed to experience? The Lord was like, stop. You know why I was struggling? Because I was believing a lie of the enemy. I want to encourage you right now. Stop believing the lie. See, what I had done was allow the enemy to walk right through the door. Right through the door. And let me tell you right now. Here's how you know you believed a lie. Are you ready for this? When it doesn't surprise you. That's when you believe a lie. I've had people come to me, hey, Pastor, you know, uh, uh, I just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm dealing with this diagnosis or so-and-so's dealing with this diagnosis in our family and I'm, I'm, we're not surprised because dad had it, grandpa had it. It runs in our family. So we're not really sure. You all know what I'm talking about. You, you, you've been there. You've had those conversations. See, when it doesn't surprise you, you believed a lie. You have forgotten. You have been adopted into a new family. And Satan tells you this is normal. He tells you this is normal. So we believe it. But this is not normal. There's a new normal. There's a kingdom normal. There is a kingdom normal for kingdom children. It is not the will of God that you believe the lie of the enemy. I'm here to let you know that you have been adopted 
into a new way of thinking, a new way of living. You are not the tail. You are now the head. I'm telling you, things have been turned upside down. You're no longer a misfit. You are beloved. You are his apple of his eye. I'm telling you, you're everything to him. So we have to stop believing the lie of the enemy. But watch this. Here's what happens. Genesis 3.1. I want you to see this. Like, let's put it on the screen. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Did you catch that? More cunning. <laughs> Shrewd. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now notice what happens here. The enemy frames this negatively. However, I'm going to show you what God said. Look at Genesis 2.16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. See, God says it positively. Frames it positively in an affirming way. How does the devil frame it? Negatively. Like you're missing out on something, okay? So look at this. Look at, look at Genesis 3 and 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, look here. Satan frames this thing negatively. Okay? Now watch this. He just flat out lies. Right here. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Did you catch that? God said, you will surely die. Satan said, you will not. The first, see, watch this. The first step to sin is believing a lie. The first step to sin is believing a lie. You got to catch this. See, this is what happened. Watch, verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Look at verse 5. Oh, let me skip and go to verse 6. So the moment Satan says this, she believes it. Watch, what, watch how she sees everything. Watch how she's thinking. And then look what it causes her to do. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The moment Eve believed, sin was the next step. Some of us in this house today and watching online have believed that you will always struggle with fill in the blank. You think you will never be completely free. 
But that's how it always will be. I'll always struggle with mental health or I'll always struggle with depression. And I'm not making light of either of those. I'll always struggle with alcoholism or I'll always struggle with my eyes wandering on the internet. I'll always struggle with character issues or discipline issues. I'll only experience momentary spaces of freedom and it'll be my struggle until I leave this earth. Hear me clearly. I wish I had big cameras that could zoom in, but maybe they don't need to be that big because I've got a big head. Listen, that is a lie. Thank you, Elvis. That is a lie. This is why we're on a journey to live in authentic community here at Extraordinary Church. That is the only place, hear me, this is, this is my passion. This is the reason why I, we responded to the call of God and we say we're the perfect church for imperfect people. Because if people can get to a place where they can learn to try, I'm not saying people won't let you down here at Extraordinary Church. Surely they will. Surely I will. If we say no perfect people allowed, I, if you would allow me to be a part of that, I'd be grateful. For another time. I'm surely going to do something that's going to not sit well with you at some point or another. But here's what I'm passionate about. Here's what has called me. We must be willing to allow people to be vulnerable, to be broken, and not have it all together so that God can do a healing work in their life. He did not come for those who are well. He came for those that are in need of a physician, those that are hurting, those that are struggling, those that are battling with panic attacks or depression, those that are dealing with addictions, those that are dealing with poor decisions financially, those that have been abused or victimized, those that have been taken advantage of. He came for those and if we'll be willing to allow people to be broken and vulnerable in their mess, God will heal them. He didn't come for people who are all cute and got it all together. This is why the Lord came to me. It's not shame on you. Shame off you. He wants to take that shame off of you. As a matter of fact, he who knew no sin became sin for you and I. He who knew no shame knew shame for you and I. He wants to take shame off of you. So, this is really important. You, you, you have to get this. If you, here's how I know the DNA of EC is getting in you because one, I believe it to be biblical. Two, you stop worrying about everybody else. Because when you realize you're only here because of the goodness of God, the mercy of God, you don't have time to blast anybody else and be like, oh, well, I know what they did or I saw them in it. Who cares what they did on their Instagram? Who I know this much. While you might be talking about what they did on their Instagram or Snapchat, you might not see them calling out to the goodness of God, saying, God, help me, restore me. And let me say this. In what we just read in Genesis 3, while they sin and they're trying to cover it up, God is coming after them. He's the one who's saying, Adam, where are you at? Eve, where are you at? He knew where they were, but his goodness was calling them. His mercy was pulling on them. His love was going after them. I'm telling you, our only response should be love. Yeah. 
not beating them up, but he loves you. We love you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to encourage you and watch God move in your life. And that will only happen when we're authentic. That will only happen when we're safe. And let me just say this. I think you've got it twisted if you think, well, Pastor Akil, are you condoning sin? What in the but what I am saying is, if you think you have no sin, you think you have no sin, then you deceive yourself. And truth is not in you. And so we have to be willing to be very vulnerable. What God is trying to do in this community, I want you to hear me. This will be a place of restoration and healing. Because broken or healing and love flows through the broken. But if we want to act like, well, you know, I got dressed up today. But I don't know why. Praise God. I just did because I wanted to. I was looking at Sarah after I had to size her up like, you're a little too close. Why are you in here? I said, man, I think I'm going to get dressed up today. Praise God. And then I see Jaden wearing these. I said, Lord, why did I get dressed up like that? I could have worn mine too anyway. But you know what? It's not about what you have on. I don't care if you're coming in a three-piece suit. You want to do that? Praise God. I don't care if you're coming in with flip-flops. Do you want to pursue Jesus Christ? Do you know that he's your answer? And I would, I would go out on a limb to say, you know that because that's why you're in the house. So why do I, I don't want to create any obstacles for anybody to get over. Rather, I want to obliterate the obstacles so that they can get what Jesus Christ has for them. So watch this. So we don't believe a lot. I, I wish I could preach this, but here's what's amazing. John chapter 4, right? If you all read this out. Remember the woman on the well? For those of you all that have been in faith, you might be familiar with the story. The Samaritans were like, uh, oh my gosh, and the Jews, they did not click. There was a lot of racial tension and divide. And so Jesus meets this woman who has been married multiple times, right? And the dude she's with right now is not even her husband. And so she is shamed. She can't, nobody will connect with her. Nobody will do life with her. Hear me, she's not in community with anybody. She's isolated, okay? She's at her lowest point. And typically what Jews would do, as opposed to walking through that city, they would go all the way around it to avoid it because of the racial tension and strife. But Jesus tells his disciples, I have something to take care of. And so this woman, he meets her at the well, and they're having this dialogue. And what she has done, I want you to hear me. I'm walking in the Holy Ghost right now. She has bought into the lie of the enemy, and she is owning the shame. She can't get her mind around the fact. She's like, she's having this dialogue. He's like, you know what, can I have something to drink? She was like, do you really know who you're talking to? She's like, you're a Jew, and clearly you understand who I am and the kind of woman I am. You would never ask me for something to drink. He's like, you know what, if you knew who I was, You'd ask me for something to drink. I've got this living water, and she's, she's like, well, please. I, I, I would like something to drink here. And, and here she is coming at the most inopportune time at the peak of the day because nobody wants to do anything, have anything to do with her. 
They've isolated her. Jesus and her having this dialogue, and she's going back and forth about what she thinks she can and can't do and where people worship and where people don't worship. And Jesus says to her, look, he said, where are your, where, 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 where's your husband? And she's like, oh, you know, it's, it's complicated. And he says, you've said the truth. He said, because the man you're with now is, is not your husband. Now, in all of that, these five relationships and the sixth one, you have to imagine the trauma, the hurt, <laughs> the violation of trust, the hope of thinking maybe the second one or the third one would be the right one. All of this is unpacked. And she says, I perceive that you are a prophet. What's amazing is she recognizes she has to be brutally honest. Can I tell you, for God to get ready to remove this shame off of your life, some of you have to be brutally honest. So she's brutally honest with him. And then what's amazing is this. As they're having this dialogue, he begins to tell her, like, hey, look, you know, the one you're looking for? Because she's like, hey, when Messiah comes, this thing will be fixed. And so she's, she's already getting hopeful. Like, you know, it's just down the road, though. She's like, one day I want to be out of this. And that's what we think. One day I'm going to be free. One day I'm not going to deal with this depression. One day I'm not going to deal with this shame. One day these habits, I'm going to be good one day. And the Lord is like, well, about that one day when Messiah comes, he's here. And you got to understand, for all of these reasons I've just mentioned, and then she's a woman... She is thinking there's no way in God's green earth she would be the one to announce Messiah is here. And he tells her, like, hey, look, I am the one. And there's a time now where worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. In other words, you can worship him wherever you are. It doesn't matter the location. As long as you'll give him everything and be honest with him and say it's you that I have to have, he'll respond and show up on your behalf. I'm telling you the same thing. If we would be honest and willing to say, God, this is me and all of my issues, he'll show up and do something and receive your worship receive your thanks, receive your praise, and do something extraordinary in your life. So, I have to hurry. I got to hurry because I got like, I'm only 50% of the way through. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach for another 30 minutes. So, you're, you're safe. But see, what, what Adam and Eve did, they run. They run. Instead of running to God, they're running from him. When you deal with things, don't run from him, run to him. Don't run to your horoscope. Don't hide yourself away in your job. Don't wrap yourself around your friends and your family and stay with them. Run to Jesus. When trouble comes, I know you'll get troubled. Don't look for people in an escape like you're looking for in a fire escape. Or don't look to alcohol. Don't look to pornography. Don't look to drugs. Don't look to gossip. Don't look anywhere else but to Jesus. He is our refuge and our strength. He is our very present help in our time of and therefore we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried away into the midst of the sea though its waters roar and be troubled though the mountains shake with its swelling
We will not be afraid. When the storms come, run to him. When the pain comes, run to him. And so, see, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. I don't run because I'm scared. I run because he cares. I run because I know something. I can't fight my battle by myself. But this battle belongs to God. So, see, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect faith trusts in him. So, here's the second thing I want you to do. Stop believing the lie, right? And if you're sinning, like per persistently sinning, and this thing is binding you up, you got to chill with that. You got to chill with that. Let me just help you right now. You bought into the lie that you'll always be doing it. That lie is over with. We just abolished it. The Bible tells me greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are free in Jesus Christ and have the ability to make a choice and a decision in grace. Praise God. Here's the next thing that you have to do. We have to be careful with the words that come, over, come out of our mouth. We got to stop speaking lies over our lives. Many of you all have heard me teach this principle, but we're going to dismantle this thing here today. Our words create our world. Okay? Watch this. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay. Let me just clear up something right now. That doesn't mean blab and grab it doctrine. Okay? I think Lincoln might have asked me what my favorite car was recently. I said, son, a 1964 Ford Mustang, candy apple red, tan top, tan interior. That's my favorite. You know what? We, but we don't have that people will say, well, you can just speak it. No, you, I just can't say, well, I want that car to be out there. Praise God. And it'd be that we don't have creative ability like that. We make things like I talked about. We didn't create anything. I've used that example before of glass. We didn't make glass. We took different chemicals and sand and heat and put it all together, and we made glass. We didn't create that. But here's what's important. See, you have to come into agreement. You have to come into agreement with the Word of God, which does have creative power. You can agree with God who has creative power, or you can agree with the one who has destructive power. In other words, you can agree with life, or you can agree with death. So watch this, Proverbs 6, 2. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Like a small animal. You ever catch a mouse? We got a mouse problem in Mississauga. I mean, like, I read an article. I'm just telling you what it said. You know. They said we got a mouse problem in, in Mississauga. And so we caught a couple of mice in our garage. We actually had one in the house. And I told the landlord, I said, man, we got mice in the house, bro. He came over. He was like, well, I mean, how bad is it? I was like, how bad is it? One is. I was like, we just, I mean, we just moved here. I was like, one, one is bad. You know, he was, he was fine. We were having a good time. And he, he looked. And remember that? Boy, yeah, I don't know. Sarah was there. We were looking. And like, sure enough, like this little baby mouse, ears was bigger than him. Just as we were talking, just walked. I said, see, he was like, oh, yeah, I guess I. We didn't have a mouse problem after that. I took care of that. 
Tess was torturing the mouse, praise God. Tess would just, Tess would look at it and, you know, pick it up and then drop it. And so we got rid of the mouse. But you, ever, you, you, you caught those mice? And they're in that trap, snared in that thing. That's what your words will do to you. That's what your words will do to you. When you say things like, it'll always be this way. I'll never be free. I'll never figure this thing out. You got to be careful what you say over your life. Watch this. I'm going to show you today how words can bind you and how you can break them. This is the crux of it. We're going to land this plane after this. Numbers 30, verse 1. Numbers 30, verse 1 through 5. I want you all to see this. Stick with me here. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Okay, now watch this. Or if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement while in her father's house in her youth. Let me explain what that is. In other words, he's referring to someone underneath another person's authority. And her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself. And her father holds his peace. In other words, he's like, I'm not saying anything. But then all her vows shall stand if he holds his peace. And every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand because she said it. Now watch this. But if her father overrules her on the day that he hears, then none of her vows nor her agreements by which she has bound herself shall stand. And the Lord will release her because her father overruled her. Did you catch up? Your father has overruled. In other words, someone who has spiritual authority hears you say something foolish with your mouth. That person has the spiritual authority to break those words. Right now, if you're a parent, you ought to shout and give God praise. Because I'm breaking every negative and foolish thing Mia and Lincoln, my beloved babies, have ever said over their life. As a matter of fact, I confess with my mouth through faith that my children are taught of the Lord. Great is their peace. I thank God for my babies, and I declare that they will honor their mother and their father. I believe that it will be well with their soul as he has promised to be with them as long as they are on planet Earth. I confess that I will not provoke them to wrath, but I will bring them up in the nurture and admonition, admonition of the Lord. My babies will not be discouraged. I will teach the word of God to them diligently. We'll talk about it when we wake up and when we lie down. We will talk about the word of God and they will know that we have a hope in him. I thank him that he's poured out his spirit upon my children and my seed will operate in his blessing. I declare that me and Lincoln will submit themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And then my kids will not walk by sight, but they'll walk by faith. I cast the well-being of my babies onto the Lord Jesus Christ, spirit, soul, and body. Because he cares for them and he cares for me. I will not stagger at the promises that God has spoken to me and mom about them because he is able to perform it and he'll get the glory. And I declare that to be the case in Jesus' name. That's how you handle that. You break those things in Jesus' name. You know what? I believed I would die young. Then I had to realize I don't receive that. No, as a matter of fact, you'll satisfy me with long life. I didn't buy into that stuff. I didn't buy into that stuff. You know what? what a, so I had a pastor, uh, Pastor Anthony Balasero. Somebody asked me just recently. Some of the men of God that influenced me. And Pastor Anthony Ballester, I remember somebody came up to him and said, Pastor, I had a dream. I had a dream. And in that dream, you, uh, you died. They come right up to him right after church. You died. And you know what he said? He, he looked right at him. And he said, I don't receive that. He said, that's not from God. Can I tell you when people come up to you with foolishness, you just look them I, I had somebody, I had somebody, I came right here, my wife was there, you know what? They were like, oh, hey, um, you know what You know what they told me? We hadn't been here a couple of, I don't know, maybe like three weeks. They looked me right in the face, knew the area well, and were like, oh, you know, it's going to take a really long time to see God do something in Mississauga. You know what I said? I don't receive that. In other words, I broke that in Jesus' name. I'm telling you to break those things. If people have spoken things over your life, you break that in Jesus' name. You speak the word of God. If your kids come to you and say they're ugly, the devil is a liar. You are the beloved of Christ. You are his and you are precious in his sight. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are his. You are not. They say things like, oh, I'll never get this, or I'm dumb, I'm stupid. The devil is a liar. You have the mind of Christ. Okay, praise God. So, this is how you do this. See, you know what? That shame, I wrestled with it for so long, and then God began to shift it. I remember, I'll say this, I'll be done. Come on, princess, let's, let's I want to give him hope. Praise God. Praise God. Jade's like, yeah, let's give him some hope. Praise God. Man's running up here. Thank you, Jesus. Like reinforcements. Alan's like, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so let me just share something with you real quick. So we get out of this, and God is beginning to do a work in me. And realize, like, some people ask me, like, well, how come this stuff is happening for you? And I'm like, it hit me. Well, he's spoiling me like I'm an only child. I realize that my daddy owns it all. And he takes, he's really good at taking care of his kids. He's never missed his child support. So look, the shame though. Remember I taught on this? The Bible tells us when Joshua was leading the people, a generation that didn't, that didn't even grow up in Egypt, he had to roll away the reproach, the shame of Egypt off of their life. 
See, some of us walking in Jesus, but the shame of the world is still on us. But God's about to lift that thing off. I was walking, not walking, I was at the house one day. We live in Florida. And um, I was just, I was talking about the car. And y'all know the story. God gave me a car, and I'm, I'm thankful. I mean, like, like, gave me a car. And I, and no, no loan, no finance, and nothing like that. I mean, like, it was crazy. I said, Lord, Lincoln is growing, and his knees are all in my back. And I'm tired of this Nissan Sentra. And uh, I was at the Sentra Ministries. I just said, Lord, I want a Honda Accord. You know, I just, I don't want much. I just want a Honda Accord, and we can have some space, and we can roll, and we can go. And I'm preaching, and uh, sure enough, we get a phone call and says, hey, your husband asked the Lord for a car, and um, tell him there'll be a cashier's check. Well, first of all, my wife was like, what? A car? She was like, you know, how do I, what do I say? And the person sent her a text message of the car, because I said, I want a Honda Accord, white Honda Accord. She said, she said uh, your husband asked the Lord for this car. Said when he gets back, there'll be a cashier's check go pay cash for the car so the Lord gives me that car right but here's the deal Deborah you know what's crazy I wouldn't drive the car yep I wouldn't drive I was still driving the Nissan Sentra so somebody who operates in the prophetic they call me out they say you know um, you have a they said they say, you have a four-door sedan, sports edition, new car sitting in your driveway, but you won't drive it. You know why I wasn't driving it? Because I didn't think I was worth it. He said, you don't believe you're worth it. So that's why I'm sitting in the parking lot, driveway. He said, but the Lord is telling me to tell you you're his son, and he has the best for you. So here's what's crazy. If you look, the prodigal son. Prodigal son. The one who is reckless and a bad, wishes his father dead. Liquidates his assets. is forced to go to another country. Comes back like to be a servant. And his father says to him and goes to meet him so the country, the city doesn't like beat him up, maybe kill him. He goes and says, he sends those people, the judgment, the people that are ready to like cast judgment. Go back, read this, Luke 15. Go back and get my best robe. You can't fathom it, but God has the best. For you and you know why he had it for the son who wished him did not because of what he did but because of who he was he's a son and you're his child I want us to stand God wants you to have the best and for you that shame is off me. You know what? Praise God. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart and just declare that right now. Shame off me. Come on, say it again. Shame off me. 
I've received the love of God. Come on, that's it. I am his. I belong to him. And what God has for me is for me. His peace is mine. His joy is mine. His righteousness is mine. His power is mine. What's his is mine. If you believe it, give him praise. Watch this. Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Romans 10 11 for the scripture says whoever whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed the 119th Psalm thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently oh that my oh that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes that shall I not be ashamed well, the 119th Psalm verse 80 let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I be not ashamed can I tell you the third thing I wanted to help you with and I don't have time to unpack it. It's going to help you experience getting shame off of you is getting into the word of God. I want to pass to you for two seconds. Church has never been more important. Church attendance right now. You need to get it every Sunday. Every Wednesday you need to watch get the word of God in you develop the habit of getting the word of God and you know what you're doing you're developing sustain you might not even realize it you don't even realize when you're making progress and you're making progress you don't even see it you can't but all of a sudden that shame is going to be off you and you're going to be walking in victory and in power and in understanding and it's going to be for the glory of God Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Thank you so much for watching online. We bless you in Jesus' name. Come back and see us when we have events. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.